Well, hello and welcome to the Catherine Plano podcast, where we share tips, tricks, tools, and strategies that you can implement in your life for massive improvements. Every week, we have change instigators, compelling creators, and interesting humans who are breaking the cycle of convention and redefining success one mission at a time. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life. Now let's jump into your weekly dose of practical goodness. And what this is, is you sit down and you make a list of all the soulmates you have. The soulmates are all the people that you love unconditionally, that love you unconditionally, the people you really count on. Make this list. Then every morning, close your eyes, drop down to your heart, focus on the area around your heart, and then call up each of these names. Feel how much you love them. Send them a wave of love from your heart to theirs. And when you do this, You're changing your love frequency. You're filling yourself up with the abundance of love you already have. And by changing your love frequency, you make your heart magnetic to a romantic soulmate. What if there's more to love than you've ever imagined? Join celebrated author and love expert Arielle Ford as she explores this question. Drawing insights from her book, The Love Thief, Arielle challenges conventional views on love, revealing its complexities beyond just fleeting infatuation or the challenges of betrayal and heartbreak. She delves into the enduring depth of love, emphasizing its power to heal and transform lives. Ariel encourages us to rethink the concept of soulmates, presenting love as a conscious choice, a commitment, and a way of life. She highlights the key elements of successful relationships, including forgiveness, embracing differences, and understanding love languages. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on what side of the world you are sitting at at this very moment. We have another special guest for you. We have the beautiful Arielle Ford. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm really excited to get to know you and your people. And I'm very excited to unpack your latest book and the topic that we are going to delve into today. So the way that we love to start the show, Ariel, is to always ask our beautiful guest, is what inspired you to do what you do today? Well, you know, it was never on my to-do list to write a novel. I had written 11 nonfiction books, including one called The Soulmate Secret, Manifest the Love of Your Life for the Law of Attraction, and for the last 15 years or so, my um, my whole life has been about mostly coaching women how to find love, keep love, and be love. And uh, they say you teach what you need to learn most, which was certainly true for me. Uh, all of this came out of uh, the fact that I was 44 and single and decided not to be, so figured out how to do that, manifested the man of my dreams, and 
quickly discovered I had no partnership skills. So I dedicated myself to becoming a student of love and then discovered that I really enjoy teaching and sharing this information with people. So that's sort of part one. And after writing 11 nonfiction books, I never thought about writing a novel ever. And yet this story appeared in my mind like a movie and I couldn't make it go away. And then the pandemic hit and there was lockdown and I had nothing but time and the movie kept going. So I actually spent four and a half years writing The Love Thief. I'm glad I got it done. I'm really pleased with how it turned out. And I'm hoping it'll never happen again because it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. If you don't mind me asking, what was so hard uh, for you? Was it because things were coming up as you were writing the book? Or what was so hard about it? You know, writing nonfiction comes effortlessly to me. It's like a no-brainer. I have a plan. I know how to do it. It just comes. But I didn't know a thing about writing fiction. And I quickly discovered it's not the same thing. In fact, the only thing nonfiction and fiction have in common is they both use words. Other than that, it's like taking someone who's an excellent manicurist and handing them a scalpel and saying, today, my dear, you do brain surgery. (laughs) And I wasn't ready to do brain surgery. So I had to learn along the way. And I had had a lot of editors and book doctors and friends and feedback and early readers. And I wrote and I rewrote and I edited and... You know, like I said, it took four and a half years. I'm so happy I got it done. And it, it was it was terrifying. Yeah, I can't wait to unpack the book. But you did mention something that tweaked a bit of spark of interest. You talked about manifesting your soulmate. How did you manifest your soulmate? <laughs> well, it's actually easier than you would think. I had been studying manifestation for a very long time and I used it to build my business. I had a very large book publicity firm in the 1990s. I had everybody in the new age self-help movement as my client. Deepak, Marianne, Louise, Neil, Donald Walsh, all of them were my clients. And, And I was an excellent manifester. But one morning when I was 44 years old, I woke up and I suddenly had this thought, which was, oh my God, I forgot to get married. And I started thinking about like, how did that happen? And I realized part of it was I'd spent all my time and energy um, building my business because it was fun. It was lots of fun. And I thought, well, you know, I better get focused on this. So I made a nine page list of every prayer process and ritual I had ever done to manifest, tweak them to apply it to manifesting a soulmate. And within a year, I had the perfect guy, and we just celebrated our 25th anniversary. Wow. So there, there is a, a recipe. There is a process. There absolutely is. And actually, I know the singles listening to me are, are going to totally not believe what I'm about to say. But the truth is, it's never been easier to find love. Now, the reason so many people complain about it is they just don't know how to do it. And they think that if they're dating on the apps and somebody ghosts them, they take it as a personal rejection, which it is not. Somebody who doesn't even know you has decided to pass you by. 
So if you're going to start dating, and I highly recommend that you do, dating online is one of the fastest ways to do it, but you need to know how to do it and how to have the right attitude and mindset for it. And you have to accept the fact that 90% of the people you connect with are going to be total losers. They're going to totally disappoint and frustrate you. They're not going to be it. But at the end of the day, you only need one. So to make it easier for people, I wrote a free online dating guide. And I give it away for free on my website. So anybody can have it. They can follow the simple steps. But you have to be dedicated to it. Just like imagine if you were a single mom of four little kids and you your husband ex-husband wasn't giving you child support and you didn't have any money and you got fired from your job. Now you would not sit home on the couch saying, oh my God, I'm never going to work again. You would know every step to take to go out and find work so you could feed your kids. And it's kind of just like that with dating. It has to be your number one top priority. Like nothing's going to stop me. And I'm going to tell you a quick story of someone this worked for. Um, I have a friend named Liz. And when she turned 49 years old, she was a beautiful, successful entrepreneur who had never been married. And she decided that by her, you know, by the time she turned 50, she wanted to be engaged. So she made a deal with herself. She was going to go to Match.com and start dating. And if at the end of one year, she didn't have a fiance. She was going to mortgage her house to pay $100,000 to a high-end matchmakers. In nine months, Liz went on 79 first dates. And that doesn't count the guys that she went out with twice. But number 80, she has now been happily married to for 10 years. So it does work, but you have to be willing to go for it like your life depends upon it and and I know it's hard and I know it's frustrating and and I I know people hate the idea of dating and they want it to be like a rom-com and have a cute meat kind of thing where you trip in the street and Richard Gere catches you that is not the real world that is not real life but just like you wouldn't let your children starve and you would get online and you would do everything it takes to find a job that's how you have to treat your love life. I, I'm trying to uh, make sense of the concept because the way that I see it, and, and this is my understanding, of course, is that from, I guess, some of the things that I've watched and the things that I've read, that um, if you seek external of yourself to find love, it's it's almost like you're you're telling the universe, I don't have it. And a lot of the times, and I know even some of really close friends who have been doing what you're saying and always attracting the wrong person because they almost come across like desperate to find um, a, well, a soulmate because the, the clock is ticking kind of thing. Yeah, it's a paradox. The law of attraction is a paradox. You know, on the one hand, when you are sensing that something is missing, part of the universe only wants to give you more of the feeling of missing. However, when you have a desire for something, the desire is proof from the universe that the seeds for its fulfillment already exist or you wouldn't be desiring it. So you have to accept the fact that I am single and I don't want to be single. 
I'm going to take the, the steps that it takes to become visible because your soulmate life partner can't find you sitting at home alone. You have to be visible. Today, we have these remarkable tools called dating apps in order to not be visible anymore. So on the one hand, we're going to do take the appropriate action. And this is where the law of attraction really works. At the same time, we're going to be surrendered and detached from the outcome. We're not going to be there shaking our fists at God saying, it's been six months and I haven't met anybody. Because the piece that we have no control over whatsoever is divine timing. So if the desire for somebody is strongly there, that should be the little breadcrumb that says, oh, now's the time to start looking. And at the same time, sort of receive in the feminine way and relax back into knowing and trusting that what you've asked for is already yours and savor the waiting until the divine timing brings the two of you together. And how does then self-love play part in this? Because I, oh, that's I also, such a good like, question. Just... So let, let me, let me answer that one. Cause this is where so many women get so screwed up. So there's, there's a whole team of self-love experts out there telling you, you you, Catherine, can't have love until you're madly in love with yourself. Until you love you, no one else is going to love you. And that is the biggest, fattest lie that's out there. Because the fastest way to have more self-love is to find your soulmate life partner. And when you see all the love they have for you shining through your eyes, your self-esteem goes up, your self-love goes up. And the truth is, you will... Whatever your core wound issue is, unworthiness, I'm too ugly, I'm too fat, I'm too damaged, all the good ones are taken, I'm too stupid, I keep picking the wrong, whatever that conversation in your head is, you're just going to have to say thank you for sharing next and then change your belief system and your mindset knowing that there are 8 billion people alive on the planet today Half of them are single. Almost all of them want to find someone. There is no shortage of love in the world. Yeah. I could rant on this all day. (laughs) No, I know. And so what about then there's, and I know, and I've, I've even spoken to some, the individuals that attract partners that betrayal, which probably links into your love thief, the love thief books. There's a piece in there about betrayal, but what about those individuals that attract partners that have had three or four partners in their, in their time who have been unfaithful, who has betrayed them. Is that a matter of they're not the right soulmate or is that something that it's a narrative well, that they're you know, holding on to? It's, you can't generalize on that because something like 80% of all of us out there have been cheated on. It happens. Whether or not it completely breaks your heart and ruins your life is a whole different story. But the truth is we all come in with karmic connections with other people. And when we meet one of those karmic connections and all the chemistry and the fireworks go off, we want them. Even though in the rearview mirror, we see the red flags were there. We knew better. We knew we were being love bombed. We knew they were full of shit, you know, and yet, you know, We were young and horny and they were cute and fun and we went for it. And then we got addicted like a drug addict because oxytocin is a drug. And when somebody gives you sexual pleasure, you become an addict. So 
it starts off great and then who they really are shows up. I mean, that's the theme of my entire book, The Love Thief, where it gets woven in what love is and what love isn't. And if you have been betrayed and your heart is broken, what you can do to get over it. And the most important thing you can do is know that there's no shortage of love in the world, that you will get through this and that you will find love again. Now, if you have a chronic pattern, you know, you're constantly picking the same type over and over again. This is why God invented coaches and therapists, right? There's no law of attraction fix for a broken picker. And that's exactly what it is. It's a broken picker and you might need professional help. Okay, so let's maybe let's go back to and to the basics. What is love? How, Great. How I'm do so you, glad you asked that. Find love. Yes. Good. Okay. So most people, most women in particular, believe that love is a feeling. I know I love you because it feels like champagne bubbles are going through my veins, and I can't think of anything but you. And I crave you. Now, this is after seventy-two hours after a first date. You don't even know this person, but you're in the state called being in love. I call this the socially acceptable form of insanity, and it is actually your brain on drugs. It's your brain on oxytocin and adrenaline and dopamine and serotonin, and it is nature's trick to get us to procreate, to get keep the species going, but it is not love. Now, there are good feelings to love, but that's not them. You know, what love really is, first and foremost, if your goal is to have a committed long-term, happy, healthy marriage or committed partnership, first and foremost, love is a behavior. Love is a behavior. Love is a choice. Love is a decision. Love is an action. Love is a way of being. Because anybody who's been married for any length of time to someone they consider their soulmate will tell you there are days when you hate your soulmate and it doesn't mean that you don't love them. So understanding that real mature adult love is a behavior and there are good feelings and those good feelings come and go. Thank you for explaining that. I've not ever heard anyone explain it in that way. And so you mentioned also before about karma. So sometimes we come here to experience life and we have karma, uh, karmic debts with individuals. And so from my understanding, we can have more than one soulmate in a lifetime. Yeah. Yes, and absolutely. Then when the time is up, um, how do you know when the time is up from your karmic death? So, so I believe that lots of soulmate relationships come with an expiration date. You know, so it may be you meet somebody, you marry, you have three kids, you're together for 20 years, you know, then you're empty nesters and suddenly you're with a stranger. You don't like the same things. You may not even like each other or you may like each other just fine, but it's just kind of boring roommate situation. And you choose, you could choose. Okay. Well, it's comfortable. It's easy. He or she's my best friend or my good friend. And we have this life that I like and I'll stay there. Or it could be, you know what? We are going to be best friends forever and I need to spread my wings and I want to go out and try something new. And I want you to have that too. You know, so there's, you know, we live in a day and age where women no longer need men. 
we do not need men. Nobody needs to take care of us. Nobody needs to feed us. You know, so, so you have to ask yourself, well, then why do I need a man? And and I'm talking strictly about straight relationships right now. You, I would say if you have a desire to have a man in your life, that's the icing on the cake. You know, that just makes life sweeter, richer, more fun to be partnered up that way. And you can make other choices. I can't tell you how many women I know who are now divorced and have chosen to be partnered with a woman, you know, and then that lasts for five or six years. And now they're back with men. We live in this time of great flexibility, you know, that I have no problem with. The, the only part of what's going on that I do have a problem with is I'm totally against multiple partners. You know, the whole polyamory thing. I've watched it up close. I've never seen it work. Somebody always gets really, really hurt, you know, because I believe we were meant to be in twos. And I, there are the rare people that can do do three or four, but I actually don't know any. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I've, I've uh, witnessed that and it doesn't work. And so you, you so what you're saying is, because I hear people say there's only one person I truly love. There's only one soulmate. We have many soulmates and, and some of us maybe more than others in a lifetime. Yes, and not all of them need to be romantic soulmates. So my definition of a soulmate is that it's someone um, that you can completely be yourself with, somebody with whom you share unconditional love, and when you look into their eyes, you have the experience of being home. Now, that could apply to your parents, your kids, your siblings, your best friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, your cats, and your dogs. So I, I say that most of us have many soulmates. And if the desire is for a romantic soulmate, well, then go out there and get yourself one of those too, you know, and add it to the amount of love that you have. And one of the practices that I give my clients is to do a daily gratitude process. And what this is, is you sit down and you make a list of all the soulmates you have. The soulmates are all the people that you love unconditionally, that love you unconditionally, the people you really count on. Make this list. Then every morning, Close your eyes, drop down to your heart, focus on the area around your heart, and then call up each of these names. Feel how much you love them. Send them a wave of love from your heart to theirs. And when you do this, you're changing your love frequency. You're filling yourself up with the abundance of love you already have. And by changing your love frequency, you make your heart magnetic to a romantic soulmate. Oh, I love the way that you describe that because I feel that. I feel that I have soulmates, not necessarily in relationships. Um, I, I did want to, there was one thing I wanted to mention before when you talked about uh, some, I know, I also know uh, individuals that have been in relationships are probably in their 50s and like are done with relationships. Completely yeah. the opposite to you. Like you were saying, you worked so hard and you're like, what about me? But surely, Ariel, you've had relationships before you found your soulmate, before you decide to get married. Yeah, totally. I had lots of long relationships and I always say, thank God I didn't marry any of them. <laughs> you know, I'm so grateful it didn't work out because they just weren't the right person for me. And, and, you know, I'm also not saying that everybody needs a romantic partner because I don't believe that either. You know, if, if you don't have that desire for it, don't let anybody or society tell you you need to be partnered up because you don't. As long as you you have friends and you've got your your 
cohort around you and you feel like you have love in your life, that will keep you healthy. Yeah, I I totally, totally agree with that. In your book, The Love Thief, um, and you don't have to answer this question, did you have you experienced betrayal to be able to write about it? Absolutely. Um, the The main character in my book, Holly, is not based on me. She's based on three women that I know that were betrayed as horribly as she is in the book. And it wasn't until after I finished writing the book that this memory from when I was in my late 20s came up of a, a betrayal that had happened to me that I had suppressed so much that I had totally forgotten about it. And now, then it all started to make sense because I was wondering, God, I was able to tap into Holly's depth of emotion, her incredible rage, her incredible sadness. And I, even as I was writing it, I was thinking, God, I'm amazed that, you know, that I can write like this, that I can feel this. And it all came back. It was a suppressed memory. So absolutely, I've been there. And and one of the most surprising things about the book is readers are, are getting a hold of me now and they're saying, you wrote this book for me. And I was like, but what's your name again? I didn't write it for any specific person, but I ca- it captures the experience so many women have had. And the great news is, is that there's a very happy surprise ending in this book where you can see that, you know, the worst part of this woman's life gave rise to the life she always wanted. So you're saying there is hope for those uh, out there that are watching or listening to the show that have been betrayed, uh, betrayed, because I've seen this over and over again. And then it's like, I don't want to be involved in another relationship because I just don't trust them because it keeps on happening to me over and over again. So what's the point? What would you say to those people? Therapy, baby. (laughs) Therapy, you know, because, you know, I, do you know who Neil Donald Walsh is? He wrote Conversations with God. Do you know that book? Yes. Okay, so Neil uh, is on his seventh marriage. He has nine children and six ex-wives and one current wife. And he'll be the first to tell you that he finally got it right. He didn't give, give up and he finally got it right. So there's no reason for anybody else. I doubt anybody listening has had, you know, seven marriages. Don't give up on love. You know, one of the reasons I ended up becoming a love expert is that after I got married and I discovered I had new partners, no partnership skills, I became a student of love. And I really wanted to understand what love is and how to be a good partner. And I saw that it's really all about me. It's about me healing all my inner wounds and and me understanding that it's about accepting people for exactly who they are. You know, it's, I wrote a book called Wabi Sabi Love, which is about finding the beauty and perfection and imperfection. And that's what you need to choose every single day in a relationship. Are you going to choose to be your partner's biggest cheerleader, their biggest fan, their biggest support system, their safe place to land? Or are you going to be a critical mommy who's making them wrong and making them feel bad? And and if there's really bad behavior or addiction going on, you don't make excuses for that. You go and get professional help. But for the ordinary, everyday stuff that people do that drive each other crazy, that's normal. I mean, one of the things I learned on this path to being a student of love is that 
there's a guy named John Gottman, who's one of the world's leading marriage researchers. And he says that every single couple, every single couple has a minimum of nine irreconcilable differences. One person's on time, one person's late. One person's always hot, one's always cold. One spends money like water, the other one's really you know, frugal. Uh, one wants sex twice a day, the other one wants it once a month. All of this is normal, but we treat it like a reason to get divorced. Well, we just don't get along, as opposed to looking for creative solutions. You know, understanding like John Gray has this great line about sex. He says there's a couple of kinds of sex. There's fast food sex. There's just sort of like the everyday kind of sex. And then there's gourmet sex. You know, and if you're married to somebody who wants more sex than you do, then sometimes you just got to give them fast food sex. Just give them what they want. You don't have to be in the mood, right? You just want them to be happy and they need that connection. Just like, you know, there may be things they don't want to do with you. It's like, I like stupid, funny movies, like really stupid, funny movies. One of my favorites is Beverly Hills Chihuahua. It doesn't get any more stupid than that. My husband would never willingly see a movie like that, but he goes with me because he likes to hear me laugh. You know, he found something good about the thing that's really stupid. You know, and that's what you do. This is how you you get along. You look for ways to say yes as much as possible. Don't we attract opposites? It's like, you know, you were saying before that we teach what we must learn. Don't we attract the things that we must learn about relationships? Because you were saying that you did a whole piece on on understanding how to become a really good partner and and, and how to love somebody. And yeah. I'm curious to find out more about that. Like what, what did you discover in your research? Well, well, Don't let me tell you what opposites? I did. I ended up marrying my opposite. My husband... Brian believes that his sole purpose on earth is to make sure that everybody he comes in contact with has the experience of being loved. I call him my heart chakra on legs. This guy is the walking embodiment of love. And, you know, 20 years ago, most people would have described me as sort of cold and aloof and not warm and fuzzy. And just by being in his orbit, and being exposed to how he is with people has made me a more loving, a more kind, a more compassionate person. That's beautiful. What about, because I also uh, remember Carl, well, uh, read lots of books by Carl Jung. Carl Jung talks about that we are constantly projecting our wounds onto our partners. And that in itself, it takes a lot of work to be in a relationship for anyone to constantly thinking, well, what am I projecting on my partner today? And 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 it, relationships to me seem like such hard work. What are your thoughts about that? Well, there is some hard work involved, but if you choose correctly, the, the hard work doesn't override the good stuff, right? If you're picking a part, you're really taking your time, really getting to know somebody, you know, the things that really uh, are sort of the hallmarks of a great relationship is that you have connection, compatibility, good communication, which thank God can be learned, some chemistry, although it doesn't have to be the world's hottest chemistry. The single most important factor is a shared vision for the future. I want to live by the beach. You want to live by the beach. I want children. You want children. Or I don't want children and I want to live in the mountains and so do you. It doesn't have to be everything, 
but your core values are in alignment. I'm a bleeding heart, liberal Democrat. You're a Trumper, at least in our country. No way that's ever going to work, you know, especially in these days. So I tell people your first date has to be a video date. You don't even leave your house until you actually see that they can carry on a conversation, that they look like their picture, and that you guys are in alignment to some degree politically, given the state of the world right now. You know, because you can't make it work. I can't tell you how many divorces I've witnessed, you know, since 2016 when Trump got elected here, you know, because people disagree. Not that one's better or worse. They just aren't in alignment. And that's really critical to happiness. Yeah. And and so in your research, what was your discovery when you were saying, like, I wanted to learn how to become a good partner? What was those things that you researched that made you become a good partner? It was more uh, taking on the perspective of wabi-sabi, of looking to find beauty and perfection and imperfection, looking to refrain, behave, reframe behaviors so I could find the good in it. One of the, the first things that came up was my husband's a an ex-pro basketball, pro baseball player, crazy sports nuts. I had never dated an athlete in my life pretty much hated all sports except tennis. And suddenly I'm living with this guy and like basketball's on all the time, college basketball, NBA basketball. And, and I thought, well, I'm going to have to figure out a way to find something about this so I can have share some interest because it was his whole life. He, he could play basketball as soon as he could walk. And so I remember he was watching, watching a game, some big NBA game. And I said to him, if I were going to watch any part of this with you, what part should I watch? And he said, well, you know, watch the last quarter, watch the last 15 minutes. That's, you know, find out who the winner is. So I started watching, you know, it's mostly tall, skinny guys running fast back and forth. And then I noticed there were two short guys. And one of the short guys was really fast and getting a lot of baskets and I was like, ooh, who's that guy? And he said, oh, that's Avery Johnson. He's one of the top scorers in the league. And in that moment, I knew from now on, I'm going to cheer on the shortest guys in the NBA. So every time he had a game on, it was like, okay, who's the shortest guy on the team? Who can I be cheering for? And eventually I watched enough of it that, you know, I never missed a game anymore. I mean, now it's like I'll watch a few games here and there. But that's how you become a good partner. You show interest and curiosity. Even if it bores you to tears, you find a way to participate in their life, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be everything. But, you know, the biggest things, uh, my husband's also a political junkie. We have the news on 24-7. You know, I grew up in a political home. My father was an elected official. I hate politics, but I get exposed to a lot of it. So I just ask questions because a lot of times I don't understand what's going on, you know, and so I I sort of have this internal time limit. OK, well, it's this time and CNN's on and this is what's happening. You know, how can I engage? Because he loves it so much and he knows so much and he wants to talk about it. And I'm his audience. And if I'm not going to listen to him, somebody else will. Yeah. It's true. And, you know, as you're saying, I, I don't I don't know that I could do that personally if I have to stand in my truth right now. But the other thing, too, that I was thinking about is that when you first meet someone, 
you are consciously aware of the way that you look, the way that you dress. You're, you're, there's this consciousness about the relationship. And then over time, this, um, the honeymoon period, let's call it the honeymoon uh, period. And then over time, this, this subsides and then our true colors come through. How do we continue a relationship once the honeymoon period is gone? Because it sounds like you're, you're, you've obviously doing really well at it. Um, is that a matter of being consciously aware and working through it every single day? Or well, what you- uh, let me see if I understand what you're saying. So you're saying, you know, in the honeymoon period, you're making sure you look really hot and great. And then at some point you stop caring about the way you look. I've seen that. Yes, I've seen that. Where yes, that yeah. does happen quite frequently. And, and, and certainly I'm guilty of that more than anything. For me, doing my hair and putting on makeup is not the most fun thing in the world. Fortunately, my husband likes the way I look without the whole hair and makeup thing. And I try to at least put some, look somewhat put together. Uh, I try to make an effort. And when I do, he always notices. He's like, oh, you look really good. You know, and men are visual creatures. That's just the reality of it. So I think, you know, part of this is part of what I'm going to be teaching in Italy. I I mentioned to you before we started, I have this, this trip to Italy coming up in May, where I'll be taking single women to Tuscany and Venice, and we're going to be learning how to manifest a soulmate, and also how to live the Bella Figura lifestyle, the Italian life of beauty, how to be a beautiful person, how to lead a beautiful lifestyle, because we are a work of art, you know, and the way to think about it is like, Okay, so I'm not going to leave the house today. You know, what can I do? What's one or two things I can do just to look good for me? So that when I walk by the mirror, I'm just like going, oh, God, you look like a hag. You know, and I learned this from a friend of mine named Cynthia James, because Cynthia always looks great. And we were doing these series of YouTube videos together. Every time I saw her, she looked so put together. And I said to her one day, I said, Cynthia, every day, do you put on makeup and jewelry? and get dressed. And she said, Oh, absolutely. I said, do you do it for you? Or do you do it for Carl, her husband? She goes, Oh, no, I do it for me. I am a living work of art. And I want to see how good I can look. Now she's an extreme. I have another friend who lives outside of Venice. She's the same way every day. She's got the eyelashes on the lipstick on the jewelry. And I asked her one day, I said, I said, a lot of days you don't leave the house. She goes, oh, no, but I always want to look good for Gofredo when he comes home. He appreciates it because in Italy, nobody would dare walk out of the house in gym clothes if they weren't going to the gym. It's just unheard of, unthinkable. And if you walk around Italy, you see how beautiful everybody looks. It's a it's a way of life. So now in my elderly years, I'm finally starting to adapt that. It's like I have all this gorgeous jewelry. Why don't I put it on? You know, like, yes, I'm in my yoga pants, but I could put on a couple of pieces of jewelry. Oh, that's me. I would never leave the house without makeup. I'm always uh, doled up, but I do it for me. I do it for me because it makes me feel good, not for any other reason. I feel like if I didn't have makeup, it's like being naked uh, because I've been wearing it for such a long time. Yeah. Well, you look great. Thank you. I wanted to ask a question. Um, 
are there different types of love? Because we talked about love in general, what it what it means. But I know that some people are kind of kinesthetic in style. They like to the hug. Some people like to be told, I love you all the time. And if you don't tell them, then they're going, there's something wrong with our relationship. Are there different love styles? Yes, it's called it's called the five love languages. And there's a free online quiz. Just Google five love languages, take the quiz and find out what your two top love languages are. I just posted this on my Facebook page yesterday. Uh, so one of them is acts of service. You really get off when somebody you know, does the shopping for you, gets your car, you know, your tires taken care of. Acts of service is important. Another one is gifts. Some people really get off on getting gifts. Another people are uh, uh, words, words of affirmation or physical touch. And I forget what the fifth one is. My, my two biggest ones are words of affirmation and physical touch. Could care less about gifts, could care less about acts of service. Let me quickly figure out what that fifth one is because uh it's driving me crazy that I can't remember it I want to tell you hang on give me one second here I'm going to look up my Facebook page hang on uh here it is quality time so so here's here an affirmation would be your coffee is delicious Acts of service would be, I made you coffee. Receiving gifts, here's a coffee. Quality time would be, let's go get a coffee. And physical touch would be, let me hold you like a cup of coffee. So knowing your love language and then knowing your partner's love language is really important. You know, um, you know, let's say Brian's was gifts. He really, gifts was really important to him, which it isn't. But if it was, I need to know that really picking out gifts that I know he would like would be important. Um, one of the other things I learned along the way is that I don't know what kindergarten's like in Australia, but here the first thing they teach you is the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? Golden rule. I remember it was up on the wall. First thing I ever learned. In relationships, you don't want to practice the golden rule. You want to practice the platinum rule. Do unto other as they want to be done unto. And that's where knowing their love languages come in. So if, you know, quality time is the thing you most crave, you don't want the guy who's bringing you flowers every day because not they're nice, but you're allergic. You don't care, whatever. Right. So the platinum rule, do unto other as they want to be done unto. I like that. And I think once again, that takes still work because I think that we would naturally step into our style, whatever our style is, and think that everybody has the same style. But what you're saying is find out your partner's style as a way to connect with them and then speak their language. Yes, absolutely. That's totally what it is. It's like, you know, I get I get gifts sometimes from this one friend of mine and every time I get it, and it's usually something wearable, I'm a winter, so I like, you know, purple, pink, royal blue, vibrant colors. And she's, I think, a fall. So she likes yellows and mustards and marigolds and browns, which I look terrible in. And so every gift is always in her colors. You know, it's just because she chooses what she likes, you know. And of course, I'm always grateful that she even thinks about me because it's so sweet. 
But the truth is that's how we naturally buy gifts. Oh, I really like this. Therefore, Catherine's going to really like this. How could she not? It's so wonderful. That is so true. That is so true. Quite often, I mean, I'm I'm putting myself in that in in that predicament. If I'm shopping and I like something, I think that they would like it too, without really reflecting on whether um, it's something that they would like. Um, I yeah. am conscious of your time. There is one thing I wanted to kind of unpack a little bit is the power of forgiveness, and I'll share a little bit about my story. But um, I'd love for you to maybe unpack that a little bit because I know for me. I, uh, through my experience, I practiced forgiveness for a long time. And all that did was bring up the memory of the thing I'm forgiving them for. And what I had found was the moment I let go of forgiveness and just accept it took place, the acceptance allowed me to let go of it. So I'd love to hear more about your take on forgiveness. Well, I think there's different levels of it, you know, like what did they do? Was it, you know, a life changing, horrible situation or just, you know, something that is forgivable that you can move on and keep the relationship going. And there comes a point where we just have to let go and accept we're all human. We all make mistakes. Nobody in your world or in my world woke up this morning saying, how can I make Catherine miserable? Nobody's thinking that. So if something came up, it was not planned. It was inadvertent. You know, it might hurt a lot and you may need some time to get over it. But at some point, we just got to let go. The other really great thing about getting older is my memory's gotten so bad is now uh, some, something comes up and it's like, oh, I didn't talk to them for years. I didn't like them. But now I can't remember why. I just can't remember why. So I'm happy to start a new relationship with them. It's It's been the funniest thing. It's happened to me three times in the last month. It's like, hmm, what was it? What was it about her I, I didn't like? And who knows? So I'm over it. I see that. I think that's also because you practice love so much. I think love yeah. dissolves yeah. a lot of the whatever, you know, maybe once upon once upon a time that we hung on to. So yeah. Yeah, you, well, you know, love. love is a choice. We need to choose love. I'm just going to choose to do the most loving thing I can do in this moment. Mm-hmm. And it may not be total forgiveness. It may be, you know, okay, I'm going to forgive you just a little bit, you know, yeah. but we have to, we have to consciously choose what can I do in this moment mm-hmm. that is loving. Beautiful, beautiful. And um, as we wrap up, because I'm conscious of your time, we always love to leave our guests our, sorry, our viewers and our uh, audience with three shiny golden nuggets. So what would be the three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our audience today? Well, actually, they all come from my novel, The Love Thief. And the first one is that that the worst thing that's ever, ever, ever happened to you that you thought was just going to kill you and be the end of you is likely to someday you'll look at it as the best thing that ever happened to you, that it put you on a completely new trajectory. It gave you the life that you have. The person who betrayed you, there will become a day where you're going to say, thank God that happened and it blew up because I wouldn't have this had I not had that experience. And then the third thing I would say is what we talked about earlier, really starting to understand what love really is and what it isn't. Because nowhere is anybody teaching that love is a feeling. And everywhere people selling, 
that's, you know, love is romance and you got to feel swept away and that all that, you know, brain on drugs things is what love is. And all it does is keep you trapped in this illusion of something that isn't real. So I would say that's the three things I've got. Mm, I love them. And really, it sounds like love is a choice. It is a choice, always a choice. Mm, thank you. So where is the the place you hang out the most? Where can our, our tribe find you? Oh, I'm, um, you know, I'm pretty much here at my desk all the time. But in terms of online, I'm on Instagram and Facebook.com slash Secret. And um, I have a newsletter that goes out every Tuesday. If you go to my website, you can sign up for it. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. Thank you. We'll have everything in the show notes. Thank you for your time, your energy and sharing your wealth of wisdom around love. And I love the concept of next year in May in Italy. That sounds beautiful. So I'm sure that you're going to collect a beautiful tribe of women to join you. So thank you once yes. again. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Namaste. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please click on share show with your friends to help make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to get involved is to click on follow show or leave a review on iTunes so that we can give you a shout out on the show. If you have been a long time listener of the show, you know we are big on delivering content that is valuable for you. Content that will address your pain points. So if you have any questions or ideas for a podcast show, please reach out and we will create the content to meet your needs. Yes, you heard right. If you have topics, themes or special guests that you want to hear from, please send us a note to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will create a show especially for you. Wherever you are in the world, sending you love, blessings and peace. Namaste.